0: We are in week number four, I think, now in, in this series that we are walking through the Beatitudes. And today, uh, we are going to be talking about the meek ones, the meek ones. And so, if you've got your Bible, open them up to the book of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew chapter and, um, And uh, Mike, I'm not even getting loud yet. Sorry, going out. I, I don't know. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse number 5. And, um, and of course, it'll be available for you on the screen. Uh, from the New International Version, really brief, this is what it said Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. She wasn't the first one, actually. Um, matter of fact, she wasn't the first one, nor was she the second. In fact, on that year in that city, she was. Number three, number three. The the second of them didn't really get much attention. She was a very poor girl, and uh, the leaders of that era didn't believe that the optics, because of not only her poverty but also because of her alcoholic dad, that it wouldn't be optimal for the movement. The first one had leaders of that day thought that she was the one whom could help them to begin to make a change within that city and prayerfully throughout the nation. She was a feisty, fiery 50-year-old by the name of Claudette Colvin. One day, March 2nd, 1955, this feisty 15-year-old was on the bus, just as it was custom in that town. She was on the bus, and she was in a route to we don't know where, going down Dexter Avenue, as we were told. As she was there on a the bus, she seated in a place, an area that they literally called no man's land. I know oftentimes in history we hear that this place was what was called the front of the bus or the white section of the bus. That's actually untrue. The way that the buses, the segregated buses those days were situated is that the whites sat in the front of the bus, the blacks sat in the back of the bus, and there was a middle section in the bus that they deemed as no man's land, and so the way that you would do it is, is the bus filled up, the whites filled up the back, the, the front, the blacks filled up the back, and you slowly worked your way to no man's land, and whichever group filled out the most got the seating in no man's land. Well, on this day, in March 2nd, 1955, as Claudette Colvin, this feisty 15-year-old, was on the bus, the black section of the bus, the rear had filled up, and she and three other women were seated in no man's land. Well, they come to a stop. All of a sudden, the white section is now filled up as well, and there are a couple of people who are in need of seats. The way that it worked, the law of the segregation walls, Jim Crow law, said that once the white section was filled, then whomever in the black section that was seated in no man's land had to get up and give the preferred seating in no man's land to the whites. Well, the bus driver all that these women who got on needed the seats, so he yelled back to the four women one of them being this 15 year old named Claudette Colvin I need those seats Immediately, two of the women got up, and they went back and stood in the rear section of the bus uh, to allow those women. Two other women didn't move. One of them, again, being Claudette Colvin. Claudette Colvin refused to move. The people who were there says that immediately this feisty 15-year-old became, began fuming. She was, she was hot. She was angry about the situation. Well, the bus driver yelled again, and Claudette refused, and so did the other woman. After a while, the bus driver just figured, you know what? I'm not going to fight this girl or this other woman. He got off the bus, signaled the police. The police officers got on the bus and tried to ease the situation. When they got on the bus, as soon as they loaded it, the other woman immediately got up and went to the rear of the section. The police officers got aboard, and the People who were there say that Claudette Colvin became even more furious. In fact, she began to stake her claim to the seat, saying that she's got every right to be on that seat. But check this out. The people who were there, the witnesses say, not only did she say that, but she used language that would make you polite Christians blush. She, Claudette had some words for the bus driver and the police officers. It was so bad, they say, that both races, black and white, both of them felt really kind of awkward about the situation because Claudette didn't bite her tongue at all. Claudette was there. She was fuming, steaming. The police officers could bear her no longer, and they pulled up and wrestled and handcuffed this 15-year-old high school girl and took her to jail. 15 years old, March 2nd, 1955. Did I mention, by the way, that she was pregnant? The civil rights leaders of the day who had been working to try to figure out how to combat the segregation laws in that city of Montgomery figured that perhaps this is the one that they could use in order to make a change within this city to fight Jim Crow laws, but use Claudette Colvin. Although she had been there and she had witnessed and stood up to the injustice, there were some things about Claudette that just didn't seem right. Claudette was too volatile. She went off in a heartbeat. She was prone to regular outbursts and regular bouts of fierce profanity when anybody challenged her, so they said, we, we, don't, we don't know that we can use this girl. She's, she's too volatile for the moment. Well, they, they simply find Claudette and, and, and she, she, she spent a couple of days in jail. And it seemed as though the movement was halted from the possibility of using this feisty 15-year-old until nine months later, nine months later in the very same city. An older woman who so happened to be one of Claudette's mentors of such for the NAACP youth rally. There was a connection there. This older lady got off work tired just like Claudette. She got onto the bus seated in no man's land. The black section filled up. The white section filled up. Someone got on the white section. The bus driver yelled back. A guy by the name of J.P. Baker who was the bus driver. Baker yelled, I need those seats. And Rosa said nothing. A little bit longer, the bus driver got up and stood in Rosa's face as if to intimidate her. And Rosa said, Check this out, Mr. Baker said that she spoke so softly that had the bus been loud, he wouldn't have even heard what she said. She says to him, I've got every right to this seat. Well, the story goes, you know the history books. He gets off, he gets the police, and Rosa goes to jail just like Claudette only difference is Rosa was used to galvanize a movement that changed our nation forever. What's the difference between these two ladies, this feisty, fiery 15-year-old that they could not use, and this, this meat, this soft-spoken, quiet, mild manner, Rosa Parks, the difference, both of them were courageous. Both of them were fierce. Both of them were champions for injustice. Both of them were powerful in their own right. The only difference is simply this. For this feisty, fierce 15-year-old, she was power out of control. And for Rosa, she was power under control. My brothers and sisters, that is the definition of meekness. Meekness is not weakness, but it is power under control. And because this soft-spoken, mild-mannered woman had reserved the right to hold her power internally and do with it as she willed, she was able to champion for justice and to help to heighten and elevate a great leader, to elevate a great city. And the reason that you and I are able to worship together today is because this sister had power under control. Yeah, I am mind, let's go back to this day that Jesus is speaking to the people on this sermon on the mountainside as Jesus is now standing with the people and he's allowing the people to gather in around him. You remember the the scene, we've been explaining it for a few weeks now. These people are coming and they are there to see their savior, this prophet who's got a word for all of them. He's on the mountainside and they all begin to gather in around him. Um, But you see, Jesus is watching everyone. And just like every good preacher, he speaks to the people that are there. You got to know your audience. He observes the people who are there as they gather around him. And he sees a certain population there. This population, they, they, they are focused, but they're not forceful. In fact, man, many people push past them. Many of the loud and more boisterous, aggressive types push past them. And yet, they're not unbothered. They're not unmoved by the moment. They just let the people do what they've got to do. But their focus is really clear. They know why they're there. They're there to see Jesus. They, they may not be the ones on the front. They may not be fighting to get ahead of everyone. But they're not deterred by the aggressive types. They, they know why they're there. They're under control. They're powerful in the own right. Just when you look at them, you wouldn't see. You wouldn't know that they are powerful. Here's what I want to let you know that Jesus does not see when he looks at this meek people as he's speaking to them. He does not see people with their shoulders shrunk, shrunk over or their heads looking down to the ground. That is not meekness, that is weakness, and that is low self-esteem. This population isn't, uh, doesn't suffer from low self-esteem. They know who they are. They are positive in who they are. They just aren't the ones who are going to self-promote. They are not the ones who are going to do anything that they got to do, or they feel like they should to, to get ahead of anybody else. They are going to be the ones who might be the most soft-spoken, the most quiet, but they possess a quiet strength that will not allow them to be indignant when other people are. The meek, they are there. They're seeing Jesus and they know that something is there. Maybe, maybe you are one of those people. Maybe, maybe you often go overlooked. Maybe. You, you are at work or at school and you watch people who self-promote and who are often the loudest and the most aggressive get ahead of you and you don't have self-esteem or low self-esteem, but if you're honest, you suffer from the effects of always being looked over. As a matter of fact, man, when you go home, you wear this often. You wear the reality that you wish you would have spoken up. You, you wish you would have said something. You wish... You would have stood up for yourself. You wish you would have promoted yourself a little bit better. You are tired of people getting ahead of you. You are suffering from this. And although you don't have low self-esteem, you feel like, man, if I could only be like them, then perhaps my time would come. And you stare at yourself in the mirror day after day after experiencing some of the loud and proud and more boisterous persons. And you say to yourself, matter of fact, you pray to God, God, how come it's not me? How come I am not as strong as they be? How come I am not as as they are? Lord, what is it about me that people look for me and they see them? You wrestle with that day in and day out. Yeah, that may be what you wrestle with, what you pray for. And gather around, believe it or not, Jesus knows this story. And he sees them and he says to them, listen, hey, you, blessed are the meek. I see you you will inherit the earth. I had this conversation with a lady, Maeda. Maeda, man, she, she's a blessing, man. She, she, she has been performing this job for some months now, at least about a half a year. Well, she goes into an interview. And, and after the interview, we talk to her. And we ask Maeda. We say, Maeda, did you get the job? She says, no, I didn't get the job. And, and I asked how come you didn't get the job? She says, well, uh, they said that I didn't interview well. I, I said, okay. And she says, and they said that I didn't perform so well in, in the role playing. And I asked my head, I said, well, did you tell them that for the last six months you've been interviewing quite well working the job? In fact, you've been interviewing so well that your supervisor actually asked that you apply for the permanent position. Did you tell them that? She says, no, 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 I didn't say that. I said, did you tell them that for the last six months you've been role-playing quite well, that you've been doing a great thing or a great job while you're there role-playing currently? She says, just no, no, I didn't say that. I, I, I just let them say what they wanted to say, and, and, and I'll be happy when I go back to my former position. <laughs> She's she's despondent by this. I'm upset. I'm hot-headed because I, I, I see the injustice that this young woman, because she is not loud, because she is not the most boisterous person, she's been overlooked by something that should be hers. And I want her to fight, but I thought about it. Blessed are the meek that God has something for Maeda, and although I may be hot-headed and angry, she's right where God needs her to be. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, if you are a meek person, man, wherever you are, wherever you are experiencing exactly what God has for you, it's exactly where you're supposed to be. You have to act like other people to get what God has for you. You have to simply be who God called you to be, because as God is speaking to the people there, he's letting them know, I see where you are. I know where you are. I know the injustice that you have experienced at work, in your family, on your jobs, in your school. I see it. Be happy because the inheritance is yours. Now, in saying all this, I, I want to speak to a population that I just slightly alluded to. The, the, these are my people. Um Never, ever in the history of the world has anyone ever referred to me as meek. It's just not my wiring. I am loud. I am boisterous. I am aggressive. That's how God wired me up. So if that is you, Wayne, if you are like me and we are in that situation, that is who we are. Please remember, as Pastor Matt taught us a few weeks ago, what Jesus is not doing is giving us his preferred list of character traits that every good Christian ought to have. God did not wire me up to be uh, meek. I couldn't be quiet if I tried to. It's just not how I'm wired up. I'm loud, my whole family is loud. It's just in my DNA. I got loyalty, royalty, and loudness in my DNA. That's just what we do. You come to my family for a get together, we are yelling, but we are not angry, we just talking. That's just what we do. I am not meek, some of us are not meek, but truck just out. Just as God has called the meek people to be as they are, God has called you to be as they are, you don't have to try to put on somebody else to to be where God needs you to be. Simply be you. But, but, but for those of you who are meek, if I could speak to you for the next few minutes, I just want to let you know, man, that it's important that you hear you are who God created you to be. Because the world, needs everybody doesn't have to be, and everybody does not need to be as loud as I am. Because the world would be consistently aggravating one another. But a couple of things, man, just as I was reading this, as Jesus is talking, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. One thing that I thought about, because oftentimes what happens with those loud and boisterous, especially as you were talking about in work settings or in other environments where people use that to get ahead, oftentimes what you need to know is the reason that they do that is it is birthed out of insecurity. Sometimes the most loud people, the most proud people in those environments, they act that way because they are insecure with who they are. They don't recognize that they can be seen without doing that. In fact, Scripture talks about this. Your gift will make room for you. You don't- to fight to get ahead you don't have to live in a doggy dog world as a matter of fact did you know you were created in the image of God baby you're not a dog anyway you don't have to adjust the way you don't have to go that low you have to be you but the meek ones know that when people act that way they are acting that way because they are insecure and you don't have to be insecure because Jesus said you will inherit the earth which simply means this you were created by your connect You were created by your connect. You don't have to push past people. You don't have to be aggressive towards people to get ahead. The connection that you need for the inheritance, you already have it because he created you. He made you that way. He knew who you are. He knew what you were going to experience, and he created you that way. As a matter of fact, it's a couple of things. Let me me paint this for you real quick. Um, Jesus is actually referencing another scripture here. A wonderful scripture. You've heard it before. Psalm 37. I love it. I love it because this is good. This chapter, we're going to read this in the Old King James. This is for the sanctified folk right here. The Old King James. uh, Because this is what Jesus is referencing right here. He says, uh, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for thou shalt soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Come on, keep going. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light as... Night judgment as noonday. Hold up for a moment, right there. It's really what Jesus is referencing and what the writer of the psalm is talking about. You don't have to worry about those people, God sees their evil intentions, God sees the things that they are doing to get ahead, God knows that they stepped over you, God knows that they have trampled upon you, God sees. Said. And God is saying essentially to you, baby, don't worry about them for their time will come. What you need to do more than anything is just trust in my plan. I knew where you were going to be. I knew what you were doing. If you just believe in me, I'm going to help you to get ahead. Don't worry about them. Come on. Keep going. The next part. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. That's the problem right there, right? says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest in the Lord. Meek ones, rest in the Lord. Trust, wait patiently for the Lord, and the Lord is going to show up. I know you're flustered at times, and I know that you spend a lot of times wondering when will your time come, when will your door open. I know that you're oftentimes discouraged because people don't see you in the proper light and people look over you, but the Lord is saying to you, Jesus is referencing right here that all you need to do for the moment is just rest and trust in him and wait patiently for him. And fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in thy way because the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. Come on. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be, yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Jesus is referencing this very idea because he knows the entire story. He knows the experiences of the meek ones. He knows how they feel. He knows what you've been going through. He knows your story. And so Jesus points back, man, to an age-old psalm to let them know the entire story that you've experienced and that you've been fighting and trying to work your way to my presence. Baby, I know what you've been going through. And I want you to know that I see all of you. I see your entire story. But not only do I see your story, I see their story as well. Man, you don't have to raise your hands for this, but I, I know because we're all humans. There's times, man, that when you see those people, those evil doors, those people who push past other people to get ahead, sometimes you say to yourself, you ain't got to, don't tell nobody, don't look around, don't look at your neighbor, don't put them on the spot. But you say, hey, listen, I just wish that they would get theirs. Don't, don't look at nobody. Don't You don't, don't want to tell your whole story. You say, I, I, I just wish that for once, I've seen them do a lot of dirty stuff. I just wish that for once they would get what's coming to them. I don't know that because I, I've thought it myself. I've prayed it sometimes. God knows all that. And so with this psalm, he encouraged people to let them know, men, those wicked people who do Everything that they can do to get ahead at the expense of other people, justice will come, justice will come, blessed are you, I see you, be happy, I got you, for you are going to inherit the earth, I love this though, I love this though, uh, in the other translations, um, it says this, uh, in, in Psalm 37, it says, uh, but the meek I'll inherit the land. This is the only translation that says to earth. It's really land right there. There's a difference because right here in Psalm 37, uh, it says the earth, the land. But if you go to Jesus in Psalm, I'm sorry, in, in Mark or Matthew chapter five, he says to earth, there's a difference there that Jesus is pointing to. Uh, what Jesus is pointing to him is basically the small mindedness of people. Uh, that oftentimes what people are doing is that they are they are reacting aggressively towards other people for the sake of the land. This was about Israel. So this 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 psalm was saying, "Listen, if you are a meek, then you inherit the land of Israel. You inherit this space." Jesus is saying, "I want you to think bigger and better than simply the land. I want you to think of the earth." So if you're a meek, you don't have to worry about inheriting the land. Let the other people have the land. Don't think that's small. If you connect to me, you're going to inherit the earth that holds the land. Uh, Jesus is saying, let them have the land, and if you connect with me, I'll give you the inheritance of the earth. You're thinking too small. Jesus said, um, listen, um, I'm going to give you abundantly and beyond everything that you've asked or imagined. You're thinking land in your prayers, but Jesus is saying, I want to give you earth. All right, y'all stand out with me. Um, Y'all thought Maeda's story was over, right? It it didn't end there. It didn't end there. Check this out. Um, Maeda goes back to her old position. Here's what happens. Uh, Eventually, I get word that she quit her job. And so I'm feeling bad because I'm thinking, man, she was so rejected, so dejected because of the moment that she quit her job, and now she's pretty bad off. And so I asked somebody who knew her, I said, listen, what's my other doing right now? They said, oh, no, she quit her job because there was something else that she discovered she needed to be doing. I said, well, what is that? Well, she is a Spanish-speaking, she's a Spanish, she's Spanish-speaking, she recognized that there's a lot of injustice for people like her. The Hispanic people who need jobs, who who need somebody to be kind of a, a buffer between them and the work world. So Maeda allowed that moment to affect her to the point where she recognized, my people need somebody who can go before them. So she left her job where they rejected her to start her own business where she helps to employ people like her. Yeah, she was at her job thinking that God had the land, and God blessed her to get the earth. And what you got to recognize oftentimes is this. Sometimes when people walk over you, it's because they're trying to get something that God has that's not for you. And you've got to be willing to suffer the rejection to get full promise of God's plan for the earth. Blessed are the meek, for you will not inherit the land God wants to give you the earth. And this is this is one of those things, man, that's a part of the, the paradoxes of our faith. It's a paradox. No, paradoxes it's, it's something that seems to be contradictory, but has a, a major element of truth with it. Christianity is, is, is big about paradoxes. Um you, in order to receive, you gotta do what? You got to give that, that, that's part of the paradoxes uh we see unseen things paul talks about that uh or we conquer by yielding um we find rest under pressure or under a yoke we we reign by serving um we are made great by becoming small uh we are exalted when we humble ourselves um We become wise by being fools. We are made free by becoming servants. We gain strength by being weak. We gain triumph through defeat. We find victory by our infirmities and glorifying in those. And we live by dying. And the meek, the humble, those who are gentle and patient, they will inherit the earth. It's a paradox. God wants you to know that the system, the structure, the measurement by which the world leads and leads itself to isn't the way that I choose for my people to do so. Humble yourself, therefore, before the mercies of God, trusting in him, and he will. It's a paradox. Make yourself low. And God will use you and your patient, gentle self to do something that's subversive in itself that will help you to see his glory, his goodness, beyond anything that you could understand. The meek, my sisters and brothers, they will inherit the earth. They will see the goodness of the Lord. They will get more than you work for. You know, the, the blessing also about this whole idea is the word inherit. It's the fact that inheritance means that you become the beneficiary of something that you never earned or worked for because of the work of someone else. You receive the benefits of somebody else's work simply because of your connection to them. So what Jesus is saying to them, the paradox of our faith, is you need to be happy in this. You don't even have to do the work yourself connected to me you trust in me you wait patiently for me you remain gentle you allow people to do them you let people run over you you let people be fierce in this doggy Let people be cruel and mean. You let that be their story. But you remain humble, remain gentle, remain patient, and wait for me in this season. And what will happen is this. Because of your simple connection to me, you're going to receive a blessing. You're going to receive the benefits of my inheritance simply because you're my child. That's what God has for you. That's what God has for the meek. That's what God wants to see you cling to. For my brothers and sisters, I, I know that it gets rough, and I know oftentimes you feel so low because the world seems to push past you. But lift your head up. Trust in the Lord always, in and the inheritance will be yours. Amen.